Howdy gang, what's going on? Josh and Mike here, episode two, Back Country and Barbells. Guys, remember, um, as we mentioned in episode one, we do have some show sponsors and a tip of, tip of the, tip of the what? Um, just the tip, a uh, tip of the cap to those guys, uh, PR lifting, uh, PRlifting.com. Check those out. The, uh, suppliers of quality gear, especially here in the Pacific Northwest, but they will ship everywhere. So keep that in mind. Um, especially, um, those of you interested in our up and coming contest sponsored by PR lifting, where in this episode, we discuss how to start your home gym and we discuss five pieces of equipment, um, slam balls, um, super bands, a pull-up bar, a jump rope, and a kettlebell. It's a great inexpensive way to start a home gym, and PR Lifting will be giving that set away to um, one lucky listener. So um, be on the lookout at uh, our website, backcountryandbarbells.com, for um, ways to enter that contest, but it generally revolve around just supporting the show, just uh, review the show, subscribe to the show, um, hang out with us on Instagram, all that stuff. So be on the lookout for that, guys. But PR Lifting does supply um, great, high-quality gear, especially if you live between Everett and Portland here. You can get free shipping. Um, I've been um, lucky enough to receive that um, wonderful local discount. And um, they're also a big supporter of our second partner, Sendivet. Uh, PR Lifting will be donating um, at the Sendivet auction a barbell and a bumper plate set um, to the highest bidder. And all those funds at Sendivet um, will go towards helping our wounded warriors um, have adventures in the woods, guys. Uh, Sendivet takes them hunting, takes them fishing, does it all over the country, all over the world. And it's with the idea that these guys need help. They want to reacclimate to society. They they need some help managing a situation. Uh, maybe they just need to um, find a sense of purpose, right? So um, Sendivet works to do that. So um, check them out at sendivet.org. Um, you can also check out information about PR Lifting and Sendivet by going to our Partners tab on the Backcountry in Barbells website. Um, the last thing, guys, uh, you like what we're doing? Uh, support the show, and uh, with that in mind, we're going to help support you in your training. So we have come up with this base camp program. It's a, it's free um, while the show is launching. We're fired up to do that for you. It's six weeks of um, structured strength and conditioning work that you can do at home. Um, this is real training. And in this episode and in these opening episodes, we discuss the difference between training and working out. Yes, we vary things up, but yeah, there's structure to it. And Get a taste for how we're going to try and get you guys better. So that program is free. Head on over to the website, and you can download it. Six weeks of workouts utilizing the equipment mentioned at the beginning. But, you know, if you don't have that equipment, as long as you can hang from something, throw something around, pick something up, and jump over something, um, you can do the workout, guys. But it's all an effort to get you woods ready and to help everybody. Sharing, discussing the show. And those things are so important because that's how the show gets to new listeners. And with new listeners, we get new content, new ideas, new questions, and we just get better at it. So please, guys, if there's any bit of um, liking of it and thinking that it's a good idea, just support it in any way you see fit. And um, just review it, support it, share it, all that good stuff. But guys, today's episode, uh, gearing up, gearing up, um, setting up your pack as a, as a new guy um, in the woods and also setting up your home as a new space to train. That's the topic of the day. We hope you enjoy. And again, check out, uh, does anyone say www? Uh, check out backcountryandbarbells.com or wherever else.
podcasts can be shared. Thank you. Very well, much. howdy, gang. Um, Jeremy Day, Joe Shamanic, uh, barbells and backcountry, or backcountry and barbells. I can never sort out which way we're gonna go with that. But um, fired up to uh, talk to you there, Bubba. JD, how we doing? Doing good, my friend. How about yourself, bro? Cool. Had a good little workout this morning, and um, I'll, I'll tell you um, something that happened during my training session this morning. Uh, do you ever hear the song Copperhead Road by Steve Earle? Uh, no, I don't think I have. Okay, it's a great song about a, a, a family of moonshiners, and then the kid goes to prison, and he comes back and turns his granddad's old moonshining business into a bit of a, um, I guess, a cannabis farm in the hills of North Carolina, I suppose, right? But uh-huh. I'm listening to this song. It's a great song, and the only thing I can suspect while I'm listening to this song is them old moonshiners who had to work way back in the woods. I bet you they had some pretty good hunting spots. <laughs> I bet they did have some good what you spots. think <laughs> absolutely and, uh, I'm, and I saw got... a lot of stuff when they're navigating their way up to their illegal uh, <laughs> yeah right. they gotta they gotta work in the dark probably right they gotta get oh, yeah. way back here you know what I mean so um you know and I then I got to thinking like what a life to live right uh souped up hot rods and uh uh, uh deep dark spots in the woods where you can do whatever you want isn't that that's every man's dream I'd imagine so. <laughs> exactly so uh, uh check out that song that song also for me brings up some cool memories uh when me and the wife eloped our first time getting married there um that song came on during our kind of um our bit of a uh we had a little kind of uh impromptu reception at a bit of a biker bar next to the hotel we got married in so um reminds me of that night jeremy day <laughs> maybe uh maybe you gotta does music do something for you ever does it get, does it fire you up? I mean, when that song started playing, I I was not tired anymore. It was probably I was fired up, man. Oh yeah, I get completely ramped up, and it, it all depends. You know, I have to listen to so many different kinds of music just because it'll elevate each type of music will elevate my intensity. Fired so. up. So, so do you got a training tune like when you when you're getting like if you're trying to hit the switch to maybe um. Because you know, I, I know you 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 got I know you just got the garage set up a little bit, and and you, you do different sort of training. But if you're if the training session for you is you know what, I got thirty minutes to get after it. I need to get a sweat going, and today's just a work day. But I need to hit that switch. What's your go to? Agnostic front. Okay. All right. So I don't know. A little agnostic bit of, front. Agnostic front. A little bit of punk rock. So I like you know I'm an old skateboarder, as I told you last time. So. Back in the early 80s and mid 80s, that was just kind of my thing. I just, I'd listen to fast, hard music and go fast and hard all day long. So, okay. If I have 30 minutes, that's usually what I do. But I kind of wildly enough, my spectrum of music is all over the board. Sometimes I'll even listen to, I'm a big Chris Ledoux fan in the country world. So sometimes I'll just sit there and listen to Chris Ledoux and, you know, you go to Pandora, and then they have the Crystal Dude Station, and then they play several others. So, well, fire I'll up. listen to that kind of old school country. And well, if you want to uh, tune into uh, Steve Earle's Copperhead Road, what you need to do is uh, click on the Outlaw Revival on the Pandora Station. Or um, the way I get to that jam is um, I do the Sturgill Simpson. I, I love that kind of outlaw country if I'm going to go country. so Yeah, same here, my friend. <laughs> so, yeah, well, it's good listening, right? I like that. It is. It's good stories. You know, you can chime into it. And it's just funny how, you know, people search for different things to to elicit a response, I guess is the best way to put it. But, you know, of all the things you can do, 
sometimes it, it's just the right song sometimes, you know? So. Absolutely. I always listen to country on my way up hunting. Okay. Just because of the storylines that they have and, you know, just kind of get you pumped up. And then, But the second I get to camp, the radio – or usually – about four to five miles into camp, depending how far in the woods, I'll shut the, the, the radio off. But once I hit the gravel, right? Yeah, that doesn't make so. sense, right? You can't you can't have a, a country concert going in your hunting spot, right? No, no, no. <laughs> and, I, I, and I think if you remember, I don't know if you remember right, but I, I don't like any music at, con, at camp. No, we didn't. Don't, and you know nope. what? You don't need it. You no, got, you don't. Yeah, you got stories going, the fire popping. I mean... Um, and, and and that's interesting too. I mean, it, it serves its place, and sometimes you know the setting itself can serve as its own music. Absolutely, if you're tuned into it. Well, cool. Um, a couple of tidbits. Uh, catching up there. Um, uh, you know, with with this podcast, the thought is to um, get folks into hunting, get folks into training, get the yeah, give them uh, some woodmanship advice so they can get out there and feel comfortable, but then also some training advice but you know before we get into a lot of that the thought too is to get to know you guys who are listening and um you know you get a little bit about our music tastes and then as we continue the show here today we're just going to do really quickly um jeremy is our hunting expert on this show he's a guy with the hunting experience and the guy who's actually helped me get on animals um my first few times out there and um i thought jeremy it'd be really cool to discuss just uh, three simple things that you think would be uh, super important and you would prioritize to go into anybody's hunting pack if they're going to maybe go on their first hunt. Well, I think the mo- the three most important things are, A, your tags, because after you get your animal, <laughs> have you have to tag your animal. And then B, or number two, would be a knife, right? Because you have to somehow... Um, dress it out in the field and then the third one would be water because you don't want to dehydrate yourself and get into a predicament you know those would three be my three top priority ones I mean there's definitely I put several things in my pack and my pack is heavy because I always go out prepared but those are the three most important so so something to cut her up something to keep yep. you hydrated and and the other thing to make sure you're legal Make sure you're legal. <laughs> yeah, because hunting is like, you know what I found even in my early journey into this sport? Um, a few years in, you know, I and here's the funny thing, you know, I'm a few years into it, but actually my time in the woods is is probably, you know, I would say, oh man, you know, if you, if you do the math on like day hunts, uh, elk camp and stuff like that, I mean, honestly, in my four to five years messing around in the sport and learning about it time in the woods is probably somewhere around oh man between 30 and 45 days which really isn't that much and i think that that's kind of an overlooked thing where guys are like i've been doing this for five years but but how much time have you actually been doing it but um you know even in that time i've noticed that the the gear can be really interesting but i like how how you're focused on the basics um and what you need to actually survive and 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 just be legal is is got to be prioritized above all else. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's been I, I can remember two incidents where I've um and the, and the, one of them was during rifle season. Um, 
we're we're back in you know not too far about a mile and i heard a shot over in the ridge system over so of course my curiosity gets me and i hunt my way over and i drop down and here these guys are with um chainsaws and all sorts of stuff by the time i get over there and they're cutting trees and doing this but you know what was wild is out of nowhere fishing game shows up out in the middle of nowhere yeah, because they heard all the ruckus. Well, they probably heard the shot, then they heard the chainsaws, and then they went and seen where the vehicle was parked, and then they walked right in, and the guys didn't have their animal tagged. <laughs> well, they and got that's a ticket. Th- well, and that's the thing. I mean, you you teach you also volunteer um, with Washington Fishing Game Right, and you teach these hunter safety courses. Yep, uh, exactly. And they say the first thing you do after you ensure, by the way, that your animal is down, um, mm-hmm. is to tag that thing. Absolutely. So is that because too many people, you know, they'll they'll kind of fudge it and they may mark the month or something, and then they get it out and they start taking it out, and then they see somebody and they try to go as quick as they can. But these fish and game officers are awfully smart. I I was in one class and this lady rose her hand and she asked um, the fish and game some kind of uh, well, if you're in this situation in this situation, what should you do? And he, this fish and game officer was phenomenal. He goes, ma'am, why would you ask that question? And she was like, deer in headlights, right? She's like, well, um, I heard once. And, and he goes, you heard or did you experience? Anyway, he starts asking all these questions. And by the end of the conversation, he goes, okay, well, never mind. But then at the end of class, he pulled her off to the side. And I'm pretty sure it started opening an investigation. So these fish and game officers, my point is, is they're very smart. So uh, trying to get away. So with, she maybe was going, he was working her working her a little bit and came up with a bit of a, a poaching incident through just her asking questions. Absolutely did. Set her up from the very, she set it up and then he just went on and on. And what was interesting is that he would talk to her for a little bit and then he would address the, you, you know, all the other kids out there and some of the adults. And then he'd go back to her and ask a few more questions. So he's pulling her off guard. And then she's like, oh, relieved. And then he'd ask her another question that she'd have to answer. Mm. And it, it was pretty phenomenal. But, you know, like I said, the point being is you want to be legal. You want to <laughs> tag that animal the second you get it or, you know, within a reasonable time, right? Sometimes you get caught up. And uh, so because your emotions are all over the board, right? Oh, yeah. So well, you got to You got to think of that. The legalities matter, too, because um, – you know, I was listening to something uh, came across the wire, uh, and you're going through kind of hunting stories. Um, I guess there was a gentleman out in Alaska recently who got caught poaching, and I guess he was a, um, uh, they found out he was a big-time offender, and a couple animals were dumped, and uh, he just wasn't, he was just, you know, he. I guess he killed a couple moose, and they, were, they weren't legal. This ended up being like a $100,000 fine. So well, Yeah, absolutely. They so, don't mess around, and... I mean, they have to because so many people do it. I mean, it, it's 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 unbelievable. So is is poaching something that? Um, I mean, it could be an awkward. Have you ever come across that scenario out in the in the field and and had to confront it? Yeah, absolutely, I have. So my very very first hunting experience when I was twenty one, I was out with my dad and this other guy. Um, I won't say his name but we're out there 
and my brother was there too. And they were driving along, and there's clearly a sign on the side of the road, you know, an afterthought that says, please do not hunt within the 380 feet or something of this property. So anyway, they get out. They start shooting right after we cross this line. I get out. I shoot. And um, so now I get out and I shoot, and I second shot, I drop the deer. So then all of a sudden, my dad and this other guy take off, and then we get up to the top of the hill, and then we're like, oh, crap. And then um, this other guy, we'll just call him Tom just so I don't have to say other guy every time. So <laughs> <Gotcha>. Tom <laughs> – Tom's like, okay, well, I know how we could drop in, grab the deer and pull it out. So we go over there and then we're dropping in and my emotions are all over. You know, I just shot a deer. It was my second shot. It was a great shot and I was all stoked. It was 180 yards out. I was standing up. I mean, everything was just, I was in the game. So anyway, we couldn't get down there and we get out and this truck starts pulling up and it was the farmer's truck. And I was like, I flagged him down and I was and he's like, Hey, how's it going, guys? I go, good. Um, I just want to let you know I shot a deer on your property, and I just I spilled my guts out. And this Tom is looking at me like, are you kidding me? You know, he's thinking we're going to jail, we're going to do all this stuff. And the guy, and, and honestly, you know, the, the truth sets you free. So the guy goes, okay, we'll jump in the back of my truck. I don't appreciate you guys doing this. And, you know, those deer are kind of our family. And it, so he laid it on me. And, but it was a very – so he took us over there, drove us up on a skid road right to the deer, mm. and we were able to harvest it and put it in. But to me, it could have gone further, right? That could have been a poaching incident because we shot on private property. It was marked. We didn't get up there and take care of the deer right away. We convened to figure out how we are going to. But it all ended up good. But after that, man, I was like, I'm never hunting with Tom again. <laughs> yeah, I mean – and, and, and it, I mean, I can remember being out with you and we were kind of, you know, we were on that logging patch and we sorted that out, but you have to kind of also know where you are. I mean, and I, yeah. I think, I think things are a little different now. I mean, there's some really cool technology that you can utilize that really lets you know exactly where you're standing, um, and, and exactly where you are, which is, I think, super helpful. Um, and it's something that can really get squirrely pretty quick. Um, so well, yeah, and you can't get away with that stuff anymore. I mean, you have Onyx Maps. There's there's zero excuse. Yeah, that's exactly. Of being right. on private property now. Yep. So, well, there it is. Um, so so you know, be legal, folks. You know what I mean. So there, there's a couple ways to get it, right? You know, uh, hunter safety is obviously one to know the rules and regulations. Uh, uh, have your tags with you. Um, anything else, Jeremy? That you know, with, with what you teach in hunter safety, where you see new folks go in that that maybe screws up their experience that it just might be an oversight that would turn a cool hunt into a really nasty experience just because they've missed something logistics, some logistics that, 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 that doesn't make them legal. Um, you know, it, it probably going in, not using the correct method of hunting. So if you're going into an area that's supposed to be, um, muzzle loader or something you go in there with your rifle or you know and those things happen people just aren't cognitive sometimes they don't think about and look at the regulations in its entirety so they get this tag they they go in and they look through the list and they get this tag and every state's different on how they identify that method right so like over here it's wa means western archery 
WF is Western Firearm. So if if, if you go in and or, and I think it's WM for muzzleloader. So you go in there and you think you hit the WF, but you actually hit WM and then you show up to the field and you're with and you have the improper uh, firearm. Then I mean that's a ticket. I mean they'll it, it's huge. So you just have to be cognitive of the methods that you use with what you apply for in your tags. Yeah. And that's interesting too, because out here in Washington, it is relatively complicated. I mean, we have early archery, late archery, uh, modern rifle, muzzle loader. I mean, in different States do it different just because mm -hmm. something's, something's the way it is in Washington. Doesn't mean when you hop the fence to get to Oregon, it's going to be the same. So, um, you know, be up with your standards, um, know what you're doing, check your hunting regulations. And, and honestly too, have a couple extra in the truck because as, as we've used them, um, if you got a couple extras, it's a lot easier to start the fire with some dry paper. Right? <laughs> you ain't lying. <laughs> so, so there you go. Well, the other thing is too, is that when you get into some areas, especially in, in like in Washington, oh. it's, you could, it's, you know, in archery world, it, the area that we hunted this year was three pointer better on the bull and cow, but you could go to the next, um, unit which was just right across the road and it's um three pointer better on the bull only mm. and then you have your deer which could be antlerless or any deer or antlerless three point buck or two point buck or bigger you know so always have your always have hunting regulations in there so that way if you're going i wonder i, I wonder what the regulations are here you can look them up rather than go um i don't know because this, the thing is that you could shoot yourself in the foot because you could be in an area that's any deer and you think it's a two-pointer bigger or three-pointer bigger buck, and then all of a sudden you see this gigantic two-forking horn, and you don't take the shot, and it was a perfect shot, and then you get back and you read the regulations, well, you just, you know, missed an opportunity on a nice deer. Well, there it is, folks. Get legal. I think that's uh, I think that's great advice for anyone. Um, you know, you got to hammer out those logistics, and two, you know, the truth and the information will set you free, folks. So um, <laughs> that's it. So get legal out there, um, and then uh, just to pick your brain a little bit about the so the hydration system that you'll use. Um, are you, are you just throwing uh, plastic bottles in the bag, or um, you know how, how do you make that easy? Because I know some guys don't like to pack water in. They'll get little pumps and they'll get it as they go. But you know, water can weigh heavy. I mean, I know I know me for instance. I don't like to carry bottles. I'm definitely a bit of a um, you know, I throw I throw the bladder in the pack, and my pack has a spot specific for it. I mean, what's your preference? I'm a bladder guy, too, because I can get three liters of water, and I don't have to worry about it pretty much for the whole day. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than getting in ridge systems, and you're going down and up and down and up, and then all of a sudden you see a bull that's probably two or three miles away, and then you have to make a decision. I got to either get water or I got to go get that bull because you're dehydrated, right? You only sure. take in a liter. And I'll kind of – I'm a story guy, so I always like telling stories. Uh, my friend and I, Darren, were hunting over in Oregon one year, and um, we went into this unit, and it's an, it was a national forest, and we hiked in, and we were there all day. It, it ended up getting like 85 degrees. We get um, – we saw where this water hole was. So, you know, I took in, I think at the time I had two liters and he brought in 32 ounces of water. And by the time we got to this water hole, well, there's a bull coming up the hill. So I started calling and, um, 
an hour later, we finally get this bull to come in. He shoots it. It's dark now. And now we're waiting for him to expire and go see where he fell. And But we were extremely dehydrated because we hadn't drank water for four and a half hours. Mm. And it was a hot day. So now we have a bull down. And so we're three and a half, I think it was three and a half miles from the truck. So we hiked back to the truck. And I, man, I tell you what. Joe, I drank probably three quarters of a gallon of water. I'm over there dry heaving, and I mean, I couldn't get it in my system quick enough. And then we had to hike another three and a half miles back out to get this elk and, you know, harvest it and do the thing. And then another three and a half miles out, and then another three and a half miles in to get them. And then, you know, but if we would have had proper water, I had three liters and he had three liters. We could have stayed out there and saved ourselves seven miles of intense hiking, but we had to go get water because when we got to the water hole, it was mucked up from the cows because it's a free range area mm. and there was crap in it, you know, cow dung in it and everything. So we were like, well, we can't drink this water. Then we had to get out. So. Yeah, and, I, and I, I, it is something that I'll keep in my pack, too, is um, in case I'm in that scenario and do run out. Because I'm super conscious of um, being hydrated and, and, you know, especially if you're, you know, early season elk where we are. I mean, it was pretty hot and miserable at certain times. And, and getting dehydrated is pretty uh, – it could be pretty common, especially as hard as you're working. Uh, but I'll keep one of them little um, – it's a MSR, just a little water pump that yep. I think what's cool about that is even in those murky situations, at least you can get the water cleaned up enough where you can um, get something out of it, right? And it probably might taste like piss at times, but, um, it, you know, you, you can rest assured that at least it'll be safe and keep you hydrated. So um, I like those. I like that little pump. That that, that works a little bit. Um, uh, switch gears. I like that. And, and two, you got to prioritize just your safety in that regard. Do you... Um, Anything to, anything to, to just stay hydrated, if that makes sense. Have you noticed in terms of like your uh, nutrition or your routine that uh, is there anything paired with not only just drinking the water, but that that you can um, eat that will help you stay hydrated or not need water as much when you're out in the field. If that makes any sense. Yeah, you know, I've never really broken it down to that far. I just always have had water and I I just suck a lot of water down. <laughs> there it is. Uh, yeah, and you know, um and most of the foods when you're out there, right? Cuz we're out there for, you know, sometimes 8, 10, 12, 14 hours, yeah. whatever. Um you have your dry foods, right? Because you want your pack light. So I don't really take any, I'm not an energy drink guy, so I don't take any of those little gel things or anything like that. So I'm just pure water, goes through the system nice and good, and and it's been around for a while. <laughs> yeah, water. <laughs> yeah. yeah, people would do fancy things, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, uh, you know, refueling with some electrolytes would be nice. That's where I think those, those some of those drinks are helpful, but I think I the one that folks miss the most is just... You know, for whatever reason, salt gets a bad name that's given, you know, folks heart attacks. And I think if you're following current trends, it's not salt's not the demon that, you know, certain folks want to make it out to. You need it. So I notice if I'm if I'm super if if, if I can't seem to hold water, um, getting something um, 
with some salt or some sodium will help me retain some of that. Um, just something, something to think on, folks. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's and why you know you take beef jerky. Oh uh, yeah, too. It's and, so salty, but it you know you don't want to eat you know a pound and a half of it, but just enough to get enough salt in you. You know, out of all the years I've hunted and put in many many miles and only had, I have never actually been dehydrated except for that one time, to where it was. We barely made it to the truck. Well, avoid that scenario, folks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do that, please. <laughs> it's no good. I mean, that's got to be a wretched feeling um, to have to go back three miles through probably tough terrain just to get some water because you didn't bring enough. So, you know, have your pump, have a vessel, have some sort of bladder. Um, I, like you said, I've never been in that scenario where I haven't had water. So, um you know, be prepared. Uh, the, the other thing that you mentioned in your pack was, uh, having a solid knife. Um, and there's a lot of options there. You can get in the weeds with buying something expensive that you don't need, or, you know, this one folds that way, or you got a hook on the end of the blade there, or this one sharpens this way, or this kind of metal. And, you know, the, the knife world, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, and it's a tool like anything else. Uh, uh, uh you know, the first knife is, is your first knife, your last knife? Uh, do, do, are you the guy who's going to buy and cry once and, and, and have it for a lifer? Is this a new knife? Just, um, your general runabout on what folks should do with, with that. You know, I'm just a, I find a knife kind of just follow my gut feeling. And this is a good one. I like the one that has the hook on it and it's just real simple. I'm a fixed, um, blade guy so i like a six inch knife that's fixed rather than the mechanical ones because in hunting hunter safety we always teach that you know mechanical devices always fail so when you're out in the woods and you got a knife and that little latch breaks you're it's pretty hard to cut up an animal and then you might cut your finger off too so i do always bring i'm a over preparer so i always have a fixed knife and a regular knife or you know a folding knife so yeah i love that thought that like you know it's the kiss method right keep it simple stupid yep. right so uh yeah i mean and i agree with you the more more mechanical something can be you, you're opening yourself up for a what if and you know um maybe something gets rusty maybe there gets mud in there you know you never know um Keep it simple. So just like a fixed blade, is there a is there a brand that you trust more than others? You know, I've always had really good success with the Gerbers. Um, so, you know, my dad bought me a Gerber when I was younger, and it it's just one of those things. You know, your father buys you something, and for the rest of life, you're a Gerber. <laughs> I'm mean, I'm a Chevrolet guy. My dad always had Chevys, so I always have Chevys. Very you know, <laughs> yeah, we're we're creatures so, of habit, right? Yeah. But there's so many good knives out there, and so it's just what's your preference. You're, you know, and honestly, I just bought a knife for, I think it was fifteen dollars, and it's made in Oregon. And I, I was at a trade show, and they had them half off, so I think it's regularly thirty bucks. But man, that thing is phenomenal. Yeah, so it's it not holds something. a good lay. I mean, so you don't have to spend a hundred dollars on a great knife. I mean, you could spend. I think the Gerber my dad got me was. 20 bucks or 18 bucks or something back in the day. So, and uh, n- n- the knife maintenance in the woods, uh, we, I mean, a good knife, uh, cheap as it might be, probably like anything else, needs some solid maintenance. So, um, keeping her sharp, right? Yep. I mean, sharpen that thing. Um, 
and it's and it's my experience too that whether it's a knife or a car or your kids you know the more the more you put into something and the more you you know keep up with general maintenance generally things work right oh yeah absolutely i always bring a handheld sharpener i think you've seen that we used it a few times on the the elk this year yeah and it starts to get dull you just use the handheld one but then when i get home i always use a stone and, and make sure it's all nice and sharp at the end of the season. So that way next season it's already done. And I'm not like, Oh crap, I forgot to sharpen my knife before I get out in the field. So well, very cool. Well, 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 there it is, Jeremy. Um, you know, uh, we went a direction with the basics, which I think is super for anybody taking on like any new endeavor, whether it's hunting or a training protocol or, man, I don't know, cuisine, right? Maybe, maybe yeah. if, if you just, if you start off the basics and, and work your way up and make sure you have those things locked in. I've just seen, you know, I've seen that, you know, folks want to, you know, when they get into something new, they get gear happy. Um, <laughs> and they want to, you know, um, you know, get this newfangled widget that, you know, can do hoopty dances for them, you know, whatever. I don't know what they're doing with it, but you know, it, it needs to be the basics first. And I think that's great advice for anyone following along. So um, I appreciate that, man. Um, yeah. Keeping well, what do you think, Joe, on the um, the weightlifting side of the world or the fitness wor yeah. world? Um, what are the three things you should have in your gym bag? Oh, in your gym bag? Um, what I keep in my gym bag. So I do a couple different. I'll, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch gears and take this a little different. With okay. my gym bag, um, I always have things on me where I can train anywhere, if that makes sense. So in my gym bag, I'm always going to keep a jump rope because a jump rope is something that regardless of what's going on, um, I know I can get a good warm-up in. Uh, I can use it uh, to do a bunch of different exercises just to to practice running, uh, to get my heart rate up, to just get warmed up. I, I think a jump rope is something that's just super important. And I think it's undervalued, um, with, with certain setups with a jump rope, you know, you, you can really tune in some athleticism. So I, th I think it's an underutilized piece of equipment, something folks don't look onto. So in my gym bag, I got that jump rope handy all the time. Um, and you know, I think anybody, should start there i mean there's there's basic things that a jump rope will tune you into that i think folks um are a lot rely too heavy on machines and stuff to get them going or treadmills but a simple jump rope you can do a lot with well and it works just about every muscle in your body and they say it's one of the best um aerobic um activities for you oh yeah 100 percent. you know it's just um and again again it's again something that's super simple you can start with a basic skip and you can, again, practice running technique. You can go into double unders. You can do double unders for time. I mean, and I would tell you, you know, you know, we used to, in, when I was heavy into CrossFit, you know, you would see a lot that, you know, you do a workout, do this, but then the thing that would always screw people up is in your little <laughs> couplet, you'd have to do like 25 double unders and it would, you would see how that would burn people up. Right. And so I yeah. think, you know, it, it could be an overlooked thing that would be really important just to keep around, um, uh, a second one that I, I would keep around or something that's always in mind is um, I keep a – I have these rubber bands. Um, they're big bands, so I always keep a light one in my band. 
in my bag because uh, I can do a lot with it. So if these rubber bands, you can imagine for for one thing, I, you could hang it to a, a lot of a lot of folks will hang them from pull up bars and help them do pull ups with it. That's where a lot of folks in the CrossFit world get use out of these things. But um, what I end up doing with them is um, I'll I can put them around my legs and do kind of like monster walks just to get my hips in gear. I can hold them in my arms and uh, do pull-aparts to get my shoulders in gear. But those those super bands, uh, keeping a light one in there, just, again, it's something that will enable me, no matter where I am, to get uh, good, get again, get a good warm-up in, do a variety of exercises. It just brings a lot of variety to the situation. So I like keeping a super band in my bag as well. Yeah, and you know what's nice about those when you, especially you're using it for your arms, it, it's good for your shoulders and building that upper body for pulling back a bow or holding up a gun or you know, things people don't think about. But as I get older, I notice that if I'm not doing some kind of weights or some kind of resistance, my shoulders are just getting hammered. Yeah, I'll go and do a push up after if I hadn't done a push up for a month, and I'll get down and do a push up. I'm like, holy smokes, the first five are painful. Well, and the, the so. issue the issue there too is folks will try to rehab or build that shoulder strength up. I think uh, I think a wrong way, because um, you know, attached to the shoulder, you know, you have your you know you have your front and your rear delts, which are super important, and, and your traps at the top, um, and there's those are big movers, and and even to some degree your your triceps will play in there. So you you, you can imagine these big movers that we look at to pull and push and your lats to do big movements but attached to all those are uh little stabilizers all your rotator cuffs and all those little guys and the issue is if if you're always doing big movements and if you're always doing things with trying to do the heaviest weight the issue is those little stabilizers get superseded by the big movers and they don't get activated properly um so every time i go overhead um, I always initiate with either, you know, really light band work that I'm going to go through slow and thoughtfully or um, just body weight stuff just to get those stabilizers tuned up and, and ready to go. So uh, um, super important stuff, especially for guys trying to tinker around and figure out how to how to pull that bow back. In fact, one of my bands I have set up when I got into um, archery last year was just a band that I had set up just so I could learn how to pull back and anchor up you know what oh I mean? so yeah so that was pretty cool but um yeah now did you switch did you switch and you do five pulls with your right arm and five with the left or did you kind of no i've always just kind of pulled um you know i'll do different things so i have like a i also along with the bands that i keep it on, on my squat rack in the garage i have like these crossover symmetry bands where i'll do both arms and stuff when it comes to archery um i've never thought to practice pulling back with my with my off arm that that's have you found that helpful? Yeah, because what I noticed, because I mean, I, I shoot thousands upon thousands of arrows every year, and I think that's why my right shoulder is hammered a little bit is because yeah. I never really worked the left arm, and it's always that same move, right? You're, mm. You push the left out. I'm, I'm right-handed, so you push the left out, and you pull with your right, and then you lock it in with that shoulder, right? You get it in there. Yeah. And so – now my right shoulder, after all these years, is starting to get – if I don't do other movements, it really starts to hurt on the backside. And, and I've noticed that my body has shifted a little bit because how I've built all those muscles. So 
where I used to be square on the shoulders, now my left shoulder is pointing forward a little mm. bit. And my right one is back because of that movement, right? And when you're pulling back, and, and I shoot 70 pounds, and it really doesn't matter how many pounds you shoot, but I that's just my preferred. Some guys shoot 60, 50, 65, whatever. But so, so pulling 70 pounds in a session, in some of my sessions I could shoot 100, 150 arrows. You're always doing that one one movement. And then... But you know what was interesting is that that workout that you and I did that you showed me when you came over here, the, what was it, the 15, 10, and 5? Yeah. And then shoot? Sure. I found that I started becoming a better shooter because during that exercise program, I was using the other side of my body. Hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, and, and just the mechanics of, of pulling, right, are, are super interesting. You can, you can mm -hmm. sit here and say, I... I you know, like you said, I pull back with my right arm and, you know, stabilize with the front shoulder, but there's a lot going on, right? And um, I think that if, if you look at training the body um, holistically and, and trying to um, build like symmetry throughout and, and trying to keep things strong, I think it's probably a pretty natural thing to sort out, you know, how do I balance out all that pulling? Because the, the bows are, the bows, that's a lot of tension. I mean, I know with a good compound bow, you know, whether you're pulling Matthews or Hoyt or whoever, you know, they've done a lot to ease up the pressure and, you know, but the, the initiation of that can be pretty brutal. Um, so, you know, bracing up and doing that properly um, will really set you up over the long haul. And, and, and it probably speaks to anything, whether it's shooting a bow or um, touting a rifle or getting into a squat rack. Um, you know, you have to have some sort of a routine to to talk through to do it right because it, it – when you're bulletproof and young, it's easy to say it doesn't matter. But as you're experiencing <laughs> now, you know, you know, uh, as as you put sessions on, and like you said, if you're if you're pulling a compound back a hundred times in a practice session, um, and you're getting your practice sessions, and like you said, that equals into thousands of arrows a year, and it, you know, what whether whether you're pulling a light bow at forty pounds or a heavy one um, at eighty eighty pounds plus. Uh, all that volume adds up, right? So Absolutely. if you're not doing the things in between to take care of your shoulders um, and, and the rest of your body, uh, you're doing a disservice. And I was just, you know, it'll happen. Eventually no, you have that one moment, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and and that's why I think having that rubber band like you're talking about yeah. is good because that one's just a good resistance, right? You could go really far and get a good shoulder yeah. workout or, you know, pull it really far or there's so much you can do with them. So I think that that's a phenomenal one to have in your bag. Yeah, me, my wife's a physical therapist and we even had this funny discussion the other day. We were playing with the crossover bands in the garage and she wanted me to use this, you know, the heavy one, the, the red one, the 15 pound one. And I'm like, no, I was like, I'm good. I'm going to go down to the seven pound one because I'm warming up. I get it, but that's what it is. Right. So, you know, there's lots of reasons to do this. There, there's lots of reasons to do things. And, um, you know, in a general sense, don't be tied to the number or the reps, um, you know, slow control, doing things right. There's also a lot of value in that. So, um, uh, I agree. The, the other thing that I like to keep around with me and, um, this one's interesting. This one doesn't necessarily go in, the gym bag but it's something i always keep handy um a kettlebell uh i like oh. to have a light kettlebell around um because i want with the kettlebell i can swing it i can press it i can pull it i can deadlift it i can carry it um i can do uh get-ups uh windmills like 
what you can do with the kettlebell is infinite and um, I can get all kinds of strength training. Not only can I do a variety of exercises, I can, um, you know, I can do slow movements, fast movements, um, all kinds of stuff. And um, it's just a, it's just a great tool. So for me, like what, when I think of like what should go in your gym bag or like if, if I'm going to look at things that are going to be prioritized training, you know, those mm-hmm. three items between a jump rope and that rubber band and, and um, you know, whatever size kettlebell you can get your hands on that's convenient with you. Um, um, that's what I have. And for me, then there's no excuse not to put some work in to get myself better. Oh, that's awesome. So I need to get a kettlebell. That's the one thing I'm missing. Get it, brother. So, um, yeah, I, and they're great. I mean, honestly, too, and if you have dumbbells, you can use them. Um, dumbbells are fine. Uh, dumbbells are great. I just – I the balance on them can be interesting. Um, uh, just in my experience over the years, I, I really – I've, I've come into kettlebells and, um, I like them. We have a couple in the garage and, um, when I've done road tripping, I always bring one with me cause I don't know what that hotel gym's going to have in it or what we're yep. going to have access to. So like I said, I, you know, as I, again, I started a training protocol. It's just, I want to keep things simple. I want to be able to do a lot and, um, I want to be able to make sure that that training isn't just exercise. It, it has a point. It, it, it has, um, it has a use and, and right now when I'm thinking about getting ready for whether it's hunting or a weightlifting meet, um, those three pieces of equipment um, will always prepare me and enable me to do something that will be beneficial towards whatever I'm training for in the future. Yeah, that's good stuff and, and I could see how those three things work. I mean, I don't not I don't have too much experience with the kettlebell, but you know with the jump rope, you get that aerobic activity, you get the heart rate up, you know, get endurance, you build up your calves, your muscle, you know, your shoulders. There's yeah. a lot of stuff that's going on with that, and then the rubber bands are great. But I'm gonna try. I, I got to get a kettlebell. I've seen a few of those exercises, you know, and they look like they'd be fun. They are fun, and that's too. I mean, don't get me wrong. The novelty of it is important to me. I, um, you know, I'm like anything else. We're, you know, I. I'm curious. I want to do new things. Um, I like to keep things fun and exciting. Um, and you know, those things allow you to do it. And aside from just a variety of different exercises you can do with all that stuff. I mean, if you put the three, three of them together, you can do infinite styles of workouts, whether you're doing stuff for time, doing rounds, um, doing different sets and reps. I mean, uh, the, the, um, the opportunities are endless, sir. Um, so, so, so fire. Yeah, up. and we'll divest into a bunch more of workouts and stuff too. No, I'm sure. So no, I think so, and and I think this was cool. I mean, I think that if if you're following along um, for the whole show, you, you see we got a couple hunting tips, a couple training tips in there, and and also you get to you guys got to experience a little bit about what you'll get from um from Jeremy Day and uh, and myself, uh, Joe Shamanic. So um, a lot of fun. Um, I'm hoping Jeremy too, as we talk about who should be listening to the show and what to hope for. I mean, my big hope is that people can experience what I've experienced in my first kind of hunting season out here in Washington and what I've experienced in the past with a good buddy in, in Vermont where it's like, you know, I just want to be around good people and do fun stuff. Right. And, and hopefully, hopefully through talking about hunting and training, we can do that for folks on this podcast. Yeah. My goal is just, you know, is to kind of let people know that you don't have to have 
all this high tech stuff and the best clothing and you know, you don't have to go out there and spend $2.5 million to be a successful <laughs> hunter. Right. I just want to let you know, I mean, just a real quick last story. Um, everybody used to make fun of me up to about four years ago because I had the same hunting gear I bought 20 years ago. And I was just, it was all cotton and I had my wool pants and I just, I didn't want to give it up because it, it all worked for me. And so I killed a lot of animals during those days. I didn't have all this new um, four-way stretch, wick-away stuff, you know, and all this. So that's kind of my goal, just just to let people know that you can get the have the basics and still be successful. That's it. And still yep. be a great hunter. Get started. That's it. You know what I mean? Don't let a piece of equipment um, or any sort of fear um, keep you out of the woods, right? So get it going. And then also, but... Going back to what Jeremy said, make sure you're legal, make sure you're fit, and I think um, I think you'll be all right out there. Well, uh, well, super cool, Jeremy, man. It's always fun to talk to you. Um, we'll get the next one going here soon, but um, you other folks listening, if, if you've appreciated anything we've said, just be sure to, on your uh, iTunes machine or however you're listening to this podcast, um, be really cool if you just uh, chimed in with a review there. Um, those reviews are really helpful. And um, it would be awesome, too, if you subscribe to the show, however you listen. Um, Subscriptions do a lot. And between the subscriptions and the reviews, um, that's the best way other folks will find this show. So um, do that for us. Um, Please do. Yeah, the content's free, right? So you're freeloading anyway. So it's the least you can do, right? So um, uh, get out there. uh, Help us out in that regard. um, And uh, it'll get other folks onto it. So tell your hunting partners, tell your training partners what we're doing. And um, we appreciate you. Absolutely. Keep it real out there. Yeah, that's it. Keep it real, guys. (laughs) Well, howdy, gang. That was the show. Well, howdy before a farewell. Isn't that nice? Um, But, again, uh, show partners, uh, PR Lifting, check them out. They're on our website, and they have their own. Um, Zendavet.org. They have a website. They're on ours as well. And also, guys, review, share, tell your buddies about the show, and try out our base camp program. Uh, We think you'll love it. Thank you very much.